0: Started. Um, Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much for this night. I thank you for every person that's here, God. Right now, we just choose to believe that every person that's in this room is who needs to be here, Father, that you have something for them, that you have something specific that you want to speak to their heart, that you want to work on inside of them, Lord. I pray that you just give. Um, Give them eyes to see what you have to say. Lord, I pray for for the teaching, God. Would you just be seen? Would we go in the background, Jesus? Would you just come forward? Lord, we're here to pursue you. We're here to grow in our relationship with you and grow as um, children of you, Father God. It's in Jesus' name. I just invite the Holy Spirit in this room. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. You're welcome here. We are excited to see what you have for us. In Jesus' name, Amen. amen. Amen.
1: Cool. So, (laughs) <laughs> okay to get started we, we wanted to do something was we, t- we sat around we sat down and we talked about how we wanted this class to look yeah. um, and as we were praying about it we felt like we were going to share a personal story about what it's like to feel like you're not enough and as we were both sitting around talking we realized that we're very similar um yes. and one of the things that we actually struggle with more is actually feeling like we're too much
2: mm, now
1: right. that said as we sat and talked about that Uh, we realize that that's still the same as not being enough. It's just in a different way. So, for example, when I feel like I'm too much, it's because I feel like I'm not gentle enough. Mm. I'm not soft enough. I'm Mm -hmm. not feminine enough. Or I'm not soft-spoken enough. Or whatever Mm -hmm. those things are. So, while I tend to view it from the lens of I'm I'm too much, much, I leave social conversations thinking why did I say that? Why did I do that? Mm-hmm. Um, I genuinely feel like I'm too much. But as we began to really dive into what that looks like, yeah. it's just as much about not being enough. Um, it's just not your typical things that people think like, I'm not strong enough. I'm not X, Y, Z enough. So we both have experiences in our personal lives. Yeah. It's just when it came to coming up with a, a specific story, it was less your traditional right it was more like the too
0: much or not enough and actually that's something i've talked about with students before um in student ministry is is if you ever hear this voice of too much not enough after you do something or take a jump out on something you can almost 100 percent guarantee that that is the enemy every time Mm -hmm. too much not enough they're basically the same conversation uh so for me we sort of talked we just talked about general things one thing that the gentleness is a great one, Feminine, femininity, that's femininity. a great one. Women yeah. are so interesting about being too much or not enough. For me, a lot of times, I'm a super uh, outgoing person. I'm super, what, what's the word, not introverted, I'm extroverted.
2: Yeah.
0: I'll come into a situation, and I'll have a great conversation, and I had a lot of fun with it, and then I leave that conversation, and the second I leave, I feel this like, oh, man, I am loud. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> like,
0: you know what I mean? And it's not yeah. like, did I say anything wrong No. I just had this moment of insecurity I'm too
1: loud I'm not I talk too I much talk too much. I dominate the conversation too right. much and I, I know that
0: you know both both of us are married to men who are the other side <laughs> of this and I know from from being married to a person who's an introvert that he feels the other way of leaving a conversation going I'm too quiet I didn't mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I didn't interject enough I didn't say what I needed to say so that's definitely how that's manifested in my life personally mm-hmm. something I can really reflect on um, but often when we think about Being too much or not enough, we think about experience. What can I produce? How do other people perceive what I'm doing? Um, They're all from this same root. Anytime you deal with too much or not enough, you're holding yourself to a standard that God didn't ask you to set. Yeah. Um, and so we want to start out this class, going through a few sections here. I personally love when you go into a teaching and the teacher's like, "Here's what we're doing and where we're going." So if I had a whiteboard, I'd like write all these out, but I don't. Right. <laughs> so I'm just gonna say them to you guys. Section one is this. It's called "Weapons Against Identity," and that's where we're gonna start. Now, this whole "too much, not enough" it all is a weapon against your identity. Um, enough in our society is seen as it's it's seen as an encouraging statement. It's seen as something in the Christian community that we're like, oh, you're enough, you got this. We encourage it over each other, we declare it over people, we buy it, we sell it, we put it on notebooks. Um, And as well-meaning as it is to see it written in script posts and hashtag enough on your selfie, um, Mm -hmm. this idea is actually a really, really dangerous lie to believe. So I wanna walk you through two things right now. First is the worldly idea of enough, and then I'll walk you through the godly idea of enough, and this is what being enough looks like day to day. So, the worldly idea is this. There's actually a dictionary definition of this. It is adequately good for the circumstances, having desirable or positive qualities, especially those suitable for whatever's specified. Um, worldly idea of enough is to have total self acceptance of your flaws or personal issues. The worldly idea of enough is to be okay with personal circumstances that are not ideal. By self-pursuit and having self-worth. And the worldly idea of enough is to find self-worth entirely from your internal self. Okay, so that's the world. Now we're going to look at, I second on the godly idea, okay? So in the kingdom, the godly idea of enough. The only way I could figure out how to write this was with quote statements. So these are all quotes. It is only because of Jesus that I am anything that I am. The godly idea of enough is everything about my life is surrendered to you, Jesus. Everything I do, I do in pursuit of God. My worth is not from my hustle. It's not from my work or my ability. It is from my relationship with the Lord. And I trust in his power in me, not my power in me. Good. When we understand these definitions, we understand this truth, okay? and this is the this is the whole foundation of what we're saying, this weapon against your identity. The truth is is that we are not enough, and we never will be, and we were not designed to be
1: right? so just in case any of you don't know, um I'm Courtney Haggard. This is Haley Wilson. We are recovered enough chasers. Sometimes yep. it's like a daily effort. sometimes <laughs> You know. Um, so we we are speaking about this from personal experience. Yes. This, is things that, this is not us preaching at you because we read a book about it. This is stuff that we've walked through yeah. in our lives and continue to walk through uh, in different seasons of our mm-hmm. lives. So um, what we want to do is we want to start with some scripture. So if you have your Bible or if you have a Bible on your phone, go ahead and pull it out. We're going to look at scripture uh, 1 Corinthians one twenty six through 30, and I'll read it for you, um, but you can follow along. I believe this is the ESV version. It says, Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many of you were influential. Not many of you were of noble birth. But when God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise, God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. And God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, it is written, "Let the one who boasts boast in the Lord." So what does this mean? This means that uh, God never chose you because you were enough or because you ever would be enough on your own. He chose you to be his vessel through him so that you could boast of His glory and redemption, not your own. The world does not qualify us. God does. It's good. And we see this in that scripture. In Colossians 2, 6-10, we can also see that we are alive in Christ. Mm-hmm. Another way that you can say that is that you are complete in Christ. So when we read this scripture, we see that, therefore... As you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy or empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and er, and not according to Christ. For in him the whole fullness of the deity dwells in the body, and that you have been filled in him who was the head and the rule of all authority. So you see that you're already complete in him. The scripture tells us that where our completeness and the spirit dwells in us and that you cannot in your own strength add or subtract any amount of worth to yourself. That's good. Uh, Yes, we keep growing. Yes, we keep purposing to be more like Jesus every day. But understand that no matter what you do, your value to the Lord has already been established. Yeah. And that there's nothing you can do to disrupt that or to increase it. You're simply His because He loves you, mm-hmm. not because you've earned it. Mm-hmm. It's quite the opposite. Actually, we could never earn it. We, we've, um, we're the farthest from ever earning it. His love is a holy gift that's freely given to you, and it's up to you to accept that. Yeah.
0: That's so good. So... When we read scripture, we we realize this, this idea that being enough is actually something we can't find in scripture. Being enough on our own is not something that God ever writes in his word for us to do. So then we have to unsubscribe to that idea, right? Once we start believing that we are enough, though, it actually puts us into a disadvantage. So I want to talk about the top four ways that we see this played out in our life, practically, believing that we're enough, striving to be enough by ourselves. The first way is this. When we believe that we're enough... We begin to think we're capable of carrying everything alone.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. Uh, We lean on our own understanding instead of God. The second way is this. We refuse to ask people for help because someone who's enough doesn't need to ask people for help. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Mm -hmm. The third way is this. We begin to use believing that we're enough as a tactic to have a sense of control of the world around us, which is a false reality. That's not true. We don't have control over the world around us, but the you know, sometimes we believe the more enough I am, I can really grab onto this, I can really make this right. happen the way that I see it happening. And the fourth way is this. We exhaust ourselves by believing that we're enough, by trying to be enough, by overworking, by under resting, by striving, by competing,
1: and by comparison. You now before you move on, does this resonate with anyone? Oh, for sure. Okay, it's oh, yeah. good. Um, I know for me, these are definitely signs oh, in my yes, life. Yeah, if, I, if I find myself in these areas, I'm like, oh, I'm operating in my own strength here. And I'm not like the places, I, I don't know if this is the same for you, but where I'm most guilty of often operating in my own strength is um, <clears throat> striving in that sort of enoughness realm yeah. of trying to do it all mm-hmm. and accomplish it all and prove, not necessarily to other people, but mostly to myself yeah. that I yeah. can do it. I think that. I'm my harshest critic. Oh, totally. And I definitely am um, always holding myself to a standard that God didn't necessarily ask me to hold myself to right And I find myself doing these things. Like these were when we were writing about this, this was like, so how do you know when you when you're in an area where you're relying on your own strength for uh, your enoughness? Mm-hmm. And these were the things that we had yeah, talked absolutely. about. So um, yeah. if you do see these in your life, these are great indicators that you're not relying on, on God enough for uh, your like who you are. Yeah. Like your identity. Yeah, and I'll say this, I think these
0: creep up in the little moments more than anything. Oh, like sure. that moment, you know, when you get home and you're like peeking at the dirty laundry or the fact that your toilet is still broken or whatever. Right? And you're mm-hmm. like, man, can I just do like why can't I just do it all? Like why you know what I mean? Right. It's that moment where you realize like these things creep up. I don't need to ask anybody to do this. I should be able to have you know what My, I mean. And you can look at those other areas of your life.
1: And you sort of do this, like, mountain where it's oh, like yeah. you you hard charge and you do all the things you can until you burn out. And then suddenly you're, like, doing nothing. And then you're just as down on yourself for doing nothing as you were for not doing un- everything, everything over peak. here. Right. And good. so um, if you find yourself in these sort of peaks and valleys, that's another great indicator of where you're at spiritually and where you're relying For your fulfillment of your identity. Yeah,
0: so 2 Corinthians 3 verse 5 says this. It is not that we think we are qualified to do anything on our own. Our qualification comes from God. Um, So I want to look at that final trap again. We were talking about the four different ways. The fourth one I talked about, um, exhausting yourself by overworking, (coughs) underresting, striving, competing, and comparing. Um, So looking at that again, oftentimes rooting our identity in self-worth and self-enoughness just leads to a whole lot of that last one, which is comparison Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. to understand why ungodly comparison is so unhealthy we have to understand that comparison is saying that you know better than what god knows Mm -hmm. for your life it's saying that what he is giving you is not satisfying or fulfilling to you and it's not as good it's not being fair Mm -hmm. to you right um ungodly comparison leads to jealousy
2: Mm.
0: and it always produces division Now, historically speaking, God does not take kindly to this kind of division in in his body and in his bride. Paul deals with this over and over again. Uh, Specifically, he addresses it in the Church of Corinth uh, with the Corinthians. He essentially calls them immature babies (laughs) who cannot contain their jealousy (laughs) and their strife. We see this in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, uh, in verse 11, it says this, When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. And when I became a man, I gave up my childish ways. And notice that he says gave up, right? Meaning that he had the choice to give up in his childish ways. Um, Did you guys see that message from Pastor Sarah? This was this weekend, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Where she talked about giving up the kids' menu. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Um, Comparison is a kids' menu chicken nugget. Yeah. (laughs)
2: Like
0: that's the reality, you know? It's like the lowest of the low. Every restaurant has it. (laughs)
2: Yeah.
0: Um, And here's the thing. As we begin to get to know one another and other people in our lives and recognize the gifts and the talents that God has put into somebody else, comparison and the temptation to compare is honestly a, a, a natural thing that that happens right. in our flesh. It, it, yeah. It's so hard to get away from that. Yeah. It's
1: something that everybody faces. Yeah. And listen, comparison is not inha- um, inherently sinful. Um, the Bible wants us to be imitators of Christ. And how do you become an imitator of Christ? You imitate him. Mm-hmm. How do you know that you're not looking like him? You're comparing your life to his. So, um, the Bible says the imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promise. That's in Hebrews 6.12. Imitation requires comparison. That's good. But if we're not vigilant and we're not ruthlessly pursuing humility, pride sort of hijacks that comparison.
0: Yeah, Yeah. And
1: uh, pride wants to glorify the self. And it sees others as not necessary parts of the body. Mm -hmm. Um, It's saying that, that... my calling is more important than your calling. And that whatever sacred calling you have, I don't care. I want to be focused only on mine. And it also um, it's a, it, it creates a sense of self-glory. So when pride rules comparison, jealousy and selfish ambition result. And it kind of brings us into this uh, area of covetedness. Uh, to covet is to desire something so much that you lose your own contentment in God. So actually, if you've never heard of that word covet
0: before, I'm such a Bible nerd. This, like, yeah. lights me on fire. Okay, <laughs> so if you didn't know, coveting is actually in the Ten Commandments. It's the last commandment. You know, like Moses coming down on the mountain with right. the Ten Commandments. It's in Exodus 20, verse 17. It says this, You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, or his male or female servant, his ox or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. And that commandment to us is like, okay, easy, my neighbor doesn't have a donkey. Right. Unless you live near the Lawrensons, I don't That's know. That's true. Right. They, they're getting the donkey. <laughs> oh, they got rid of the donkey. <laughs> but isn't that crazy? Coveting, yeah. comparing... Wanting something that somebody else has is actually up there with murder
1: in the Ten Commandments. Right. You know what I mean? When you look at it, it says, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Yeah. These are not just physical belongings. Right. This is anything that God has blessed them with, gifts, talents, Mm -hmm. influence, ability, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. If God has given it to them, it belongs to them through him. And if you're coveting it, you're breaking the Tenth Commandment. Dang. Right? That's crazy. Mm Mm-hmm. So we can tell when this is happening in us when we look at others and we no longer see the grace of God, um, but rather a reflection of our own inferiority. Mm-hmm. So when you're looking at somebody else and all you can focus on is how you're not measuring up, mm. that's a great indicator yeah. that you're coveting. Yeah, dang. We don't see others as windows into the glories of God, the glory of God, but as mirrors into which we're asking, who's the fairest one of all? Whoa. And we're also saying, it's not me. Hmm. So I want to spend a few minutes talking about the dangers of that kind of prideful comparison. Because at New Song, we want to create a culture that celebrates unique gifts and talents. We don't want to see leaders or people in our church stuck in the comparison trap.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and how do we do that? We, we, uh, we like to say this. We, we run our race. Yeah. Um, you've probably heard of that in the Bible. Like, run your race, run your race. So we run our race. But you can't. Run the race of the person sitting next to you. Yeah. You're not equipped. You're not designed. You're not anointed to do so. Dang. Uh, So quit wasting your energy trying. Um, You're not called to look or think or talk like me or like Haley or like anyone else in this room. We can be very similar, but I'm not called to do what she's called to do. And she's not called to do what I'm called to do. Yeah. You can't covet my gifts and I can't covet yours. Yeah because we'll never be able to do what we're called to do if we're so focused on what we wished we had instead of being good stewards of what we do have. Mm-hmm. So one of the times that this kind of hit me like a ton of bricks um, was I, it was early in the church, and we were, as leaders, there was only a few of us, and we were developing teams. We were developing volunteer teams, and there was a woman on my team who like, couldn't have been more different than me. I didn't quite understand how she operated. It wasn't a bad thing. I didn't, like, hold it against her or anything, but she didn't operate like me. Um, And as a young leader, I was thinking, okay, well, my job is to, like, get her in line with how I do things and just, like, make that happen. And so I was, like, we just couldn't, she couldn't operate how I needed her to because she wasn't called to operate exactly like me. So I'm sitting down for an oversight with Pastor Sarah, and I'm saying, I I just don't know how to get her to do things how I need them. Like, I want them done. Um, and, and, and like, to get her look to look like what I thought New Song's look was and to, to do X, Y, and Z how I thought it should be done. And she looked at me and was just like, I'm not trying to create ten more of me. And I don't want you to create ten more of you. I want different people on your team because they can see your blind spots. That's good. They can see your gaps. Ten of you, while you do want to duplicate, like, Skills and things like that. Like if you're looking for a new photographer for your team, you're gonna like teach them, them the, the, t- the yeah. skills. Yes. But you're not looking for someone to do it exactly like you do because you're never you're never gonna fill those blind spots if right. you do. Yeah. Yeah. And so that realization, yeah, that realization really shifted a lot in me of how I lead mm-hmm. and how I identify gifts in people. And also, really, who I look for to be on my team. Mm -hmm. I don't want someone like me on my team. I've already got one of me on my team. Mm -hmm. I want somebody else on my team. And so, that's just something that really settled with me. And so, I'm sure if you guys really sat and thought about it, you would probably find instances in your life where something like that happened where you're like, oh, yeah, I for sure, I can (laughs) can recognize that in my life. I either wanted to change somebody because I thought my way was best or... Um, I wanted to be more like somebody else because I thought what they were doing is better than what I was doing. Um, So what do we do when comparison sneaks in and makes us forget the strengths that we do have? Um, That's where we, what you want to do is you want to focus on Thanksgiving. Yeah. Yeah. Thanksgiving for what you do have because thank God I'm not exactly like Haley because then there would be two of us. No. (laughs) (laughs) But there would be two of us but only one of her job, right? Yeah. (laughs) So like, I'm so thankful that I God blessed me with other things and other passions and other gifts because if there was just two of us sitting around in only one position, yeah. somebody's going home <laughs> unhappy. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, just be thankful for what you do what God has blessed you with. Mm-hmm. Uh when when we forget, our hearts shift. We stop being thankful and instead we become consumed by the little things that we don't have. So yeah. that's that dangerous place to be. If you're so focused on the little things that you don't have, we never really get to appreciate what we do have. You see yeah. things like that like Oh, I wish my house looked nicer. Right. Well, well, I wish the Lord. I had
0: new floors. I wish right. I had a new countertop.
1: Yeah, those. And I'm not saying it's not. In. I'm not saying it's bad to to desire good things. I'm not saying that at all. Um, but if the reason you're desiring it is because somebody else has it and you don't, yeah. Then you're no longer thankful for what you do have: a roof over your head, food on the table, you know, people in your life, yeah. God above all, God in your life, um, because Satan is a cruel manipulator.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um He desires God's people to be ensnared and distracted by competing and comparing. And the more we look around and compare ourselves to different positions and um, things that are happening for this person and things that are happening for this person, um, the less we remember God's assignment for us. And that's what the enemy wants. He wants us distracted from our own assignments. Yeah,
0: for sure. So I want to talk about a few ways we compare. There are two. um, And they kind of hit me like a ton of bricks this week, Mm -hmm. so... So, good. ways we compare, okay? Number one, we compare with others. Physically, I wish I had that body. I wish I had those clothes. I wish I had the money to buy shoes like that below. Uh-huh. Um, financially, money. That's, I just said that about shoes, same kind of thing. I wish I had that job. I wish that it was easier for me to buy this amount of things. Spiritually, I wish God talked to me like he talks to that person.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I wish I had that ministry opportunity. I wish I could just feel comfortable praying in front of people like that person does. Mm-hmm. So that's number one with others. Number two, this one's tough, is with ourselves, Yeah. with mm-hmm. our own ideas. One of the biggest ways that we compare is with this idea of what we think we're supposed to be. This person that we create of who I'm, spo- I'm supposed to be, this, 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 and this, and we're comparing ourselves to that person all day long. And I'm not saying don't have standards for yourself, right, obviously. Yeah. Do, but make sure they are rooted in what God is asking you to be and not this invisible version of yourself that you're creating that you think is the most successful or most um, beneficial to the kingdom person. Yeah. When in reality, that person doesn't exist.
2: Yeah. yeah.
0: Um, so social media has taken comparison to this whole new level mm-hmm. of unhealthiness. And I know everyone's heard this like a million times because if you go to any conference, they're like, oh yeah, social media, it's made the world crazy. And, like, that's true. I work in social media, so, yes, I agree. Right. (laughs) But I do think um, it's taking comparison just out the wazoo. Yeah. Everyone follows that, like, you know, people that you like to watch, things that you're interested in. There's this one woman I follow on Instagram who is awesome. Like, she's so cute. Her house is adorable. She has kids, blah, blah, blah. She's a young mom. I'm like, I like to follow her. She's an influencer, okay? She just had a baby about a month ago. (laughs) And this is what this made me think of. She had a baby about a month ago. I was following her on social media and watching her story, And I was really excited to see, oh, she's about to have her baby. Like, I wonder what she's going to post. I'm about to be a mom. I want to see, like, what can I learn from this? All of her posts... like beautiful. (laughs) Immaculate. She's like in the hospital bed reading a book and like (laughs) there are several books on the side. Exactly! And I'm thinking, wait a minute, that's not how it's supposed to...
3: (laughs) 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 She had like two books. Two or
0: three different books with her and there's all this beautiful lighting and clothes in the hospital. I'm thinking, man, you must have worked really hard (laughs) to make it look like that was maybe it really was that smooth and painless but how dangerous is it if I look at that and go well that's how my birth needs to go. Right. Mm. right. That's like, that needs to be my story now, because if I if I was maybe spiritually younger, I might look at that and be like, dang, I better amount to right. this level, or I'm not being a good mom, or I'm not being a good person. I can't do that. that, um, that it's That's so like, yeah. dangerous. So before, we only compared ourselves to people we do life with, friends, family, neighbors, and we didn't know everything they were doing at all times, so there's not a lot of good material to compare yourselves with. Mm-hmm. Right. But now there's, like, this sea of endless people that you can constantly compare yourself to and what they're doing and what their story looks like and all of that good stuff.
1: Well, it's not just social media, too. I mean, it can be your art, your craft. I mean, if you're a musician, we have access to, like, incredible musicians yeah. that we exactly. can hear all the time. And yeah. you're if you're a musician, you're like, yeah, I can see how much better they are than me or a vocalist or yeah. whatever. Um, or we the have, other way. We, yeah, we have expanded access <laughs> to everything. It's not just social media. I mean, it's it's...
2: Yeah. Any it's vast. any yeah. form
1: of uh, yeah. access you could think of, we have it. The world yeah. is at our fingertips these days. And comparisons, like I said, a natural response
0: that rises out of our flesh, right? Not our spirit, our flesh. Mm-hmm. We need to learn to recognize that and put a stop to it. Because yeah. like Courtney said, it's a dangerous place to live yeah. in constantly. Mm-hmm. Um, it rots away the good fruit that God has called us to produce. Yeah. And it majorly stops us from running our own race. Right. Yeah. yeah. I think we can also... Uh, kids to other kids oh so absolutely especially like, with
1: milestones oh absolutely so like maybe
0: there's something wrong if your kid doesn't do exactly what yeah.
1: kid does actually like that you're just happened
0: unrealistic expectations on your children right
1: so. we just that just happened um I was dropping my daughter off she's two she's like like 75 potty trained and I'm not saying that to brag um because it's like not going as smooth as it did with my son my son it was like easy with her I'm like you're so Strong-headed. I wonder where you get that from. Um, (laughs) And so she's wearing underwear over her pull-up. And someone was like, oh, my gosh, she's already potty trained. And I was like, no. I guarantee you she peed in that pull-up because I know she did. And this morning she put shorts on just so she could poop in her shorts because she didn't want to go on the potty that was right there. So, um, yeah, she's not potty trained. So don't, like, look at me like I've got this under control because I don't. Um, But we're getting there. So absolutely Comparing kids, that's such a great point, point. Um, yeah. and, and that's something that's prevalent, too, because so many people are parents, or marriages. Marriages yeah, happens a lot, absolutely. too. How come... Uh, I wish my spouse was more like this person's spouse, or I wish... Um, I was a, a better wife or husband mm-hmm. like this person. Or I wish our marriage looked like that. I wish mm-hmm. we could have conversations like that. The
3: social media is the worst for me because I'm still really newly married. And, like, I was in this group recently where it was, like, a bunch of married people and they're, like, how often do you and your spouse, like, focus on intimacy, whether it's sexual or physical? And these people with their answers, I was, like, crying. Oh. Oh I have gosh. never felt so affected I was like, man, Trevor, you are so great, and I'm, like, the worst wife ever if this is real. Like, if these people are for real, I did feel like, and I'm not usually, like, oh, comparing, you know, things like that, but... That was really difficult. So I was like, oh, I have to get off of this.
0: That's, yeah, but that's because the key there. Because those people
3: may not have the emotional and, like... They don't have your relationship. ...personal connection right. that Trevor and I Absolutely. have. Absolutely.
0: No so. idea that that's well, and like, I even think remotely that comparable. That's,
1: but it's so easy once you get it in your face, you know? you know.
3: and you're like, you guys are married for seven years and you guys are doing that that yeah. often? No way. that's a lie.
1: <laughs> well, I think that uh, you said something that was key there. You said if they're even mm-hmm. for real. I think that this, this idea of... Um, focusing on others makes us very skeptical of other people yeah. too. Uh, we didn't actually write about that, but I think that's so true. Um, we if we become skeptics towards other people. We don't really believe. We think they're putting on a front. I think a lot of times that's because it's coming out of this this filter that we have on ourselves. Yeah. If I know I'm living a life that's not projecting totally clearly, it's not it's not projecting what's actually happening. Then I believe, and I'm not saying this is you, but like mm-hmm. for in my life, if I'm ever skeptical of someone it's often because I'm like, I've been there where I put the face on. Right. yeah, Right. And I just hope no one found out. Yeah. yeah, And so I think that those are great warning signs if that's something that you struggle with. And also knowing that when you do pursue God for your identity and your fulfillment and your quote-unquote enoughness, you can hear those conversations and have them be encouraging to you mm-hmm. rather than discouraging. That's good. So um, yeah. if you're in a marriage community and you the people around you are someone couples you want to emulate that's great get in community where you have strong people around you that's that's really good to have as a tool in your belt because then you can follow in their footsteps and get some wisdom and advice from them um but guard your heart and make sure that you're not falling into an area where you're like well I'm never going to amount to that or um they're not telling the truth or whatever yeah it
3: did challenge me Like, that example of, like, looking into that, and, like, this, the last, my husband and I actually spent the whole day today together, like, doing things, because I was, like, hey, like, I saw this, and while it did, probably in my spirit, a little bit of my flesh was, like, these people. Right. and But, like, another part of me was, like, man... If you can have that kind of connection and that can be real, like, I want us, like, I'm going to do what I need to do. Yeah, that's good. Get myself in alignment with that opportunity. Right. That's good. Instead of being like, man, these people suck. They're better than me. Right. Right.
1: Well, and that's a great, again, a great point. If you find yourself looking at what somebody else has in that sort of covetedness um, lens, Really quickly, first thing you want to do is you want to repent. Mm-hmm. Um, Pastor Josh talked about this a couple weeks ago, and we'll get into this in a little bit, but you want to repent. You also want to um, spend some time just being thankful for what you do have yeah, with sure. God because yeah. it resets your heart, and then go after what it is that you Set want. Set a goal. Set a goal, especially if it's biblical. What I wanted,
3: when I have that conversation in my mind, I thought to myself, like, what I want so clearly lines up with God's word, right. so it absolutely can be his will for my life if I pursue it. Right, right. That's good. That's good. That's That's so, so good.
1: good. Um, okay, so let's talk about the dangers of comparison. Uh, one of the re- one of the big dangers of comparison is it creates a you versus me mentality, mm. yeah. and it leads people to be pitted against each other rather than supportive and nurturing. Which is so funny. We just it's very similar, right? Yeah, um, yeah. When you have this you versus me mentality, you're focused on where do I line up. Compared to you. Mm-hmm. Rather than, could you be a spiritual mentor for me? Right. Could you be encouragement for me? How, when you, and we don't want to look at people as only ways of serving us. Like, oh, how could you serve right. me? But also recognizing that God places people in your life to help you. Yeah. So if he has you in a place where you're in community with people that are farther along than you, thank the Lord. Yeah, he's provided you some spiritual mentors, right? Yeah. Um, number two, it steals your joy. I know you talked about that. You said I felt like I felt like garbage. You know, um, it steals your joy. Comparison leads to a low self esteem, mm-hmm. depression, and it honestly does nothing but damage relationships. Yeah. You walk away and say, um, "All I can think about is how much better you are than me." Then I can't be in relationship yeah. with you. You'll never be able to be in true communion with somebody if you're in a you versus me mentality. Um, the- Theodore Roosevelt says, "Comparison is the thief." of joy. So comparison either produces, and then the third thing is, comparison either produces an inferiority or a superiority complex. Mm, It either says, that means if you're in this area of comparison, every time you meet someone, you're thinking, yep, I'm better than them. Or, yep, they're definitely better than me. (laughs) And we're so others, that makes you so others focused. You can't glorify God in that. Yeah. If you're saying, I'm better or they're better, no, God is better. Yeah, uh, That's all that matters. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so that's one of those things you just got to be really careful about is if you are looking at people. As, we oftentimes think, think of like, oh, well, if I think I'm not as good as other people. But I guarantee you, if you thought you're not as good as somebody else, you have also looked at somebody and thought you were better than them. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Right? No, it's mm-hmm. a thing. That's a thing. Totally. Um, it's, it's a mentality that you have to, the, with God, you have got to break.
2: Yeah.
1: Mm. Um, it, because it's not good. You don't want to be walking around wasting energy gauging yourself on whoever's in this room or whoever's that takes in a, church. Yeah, that takes a ton of your it, d- it does. Yeah. It takes energy. Yeah. Um, it, it's a huge waste of energy. Uh, the only one you should be gauging yourself against is the Lord and who he says you are It's good. Not even who you think you should be, but who he says you are. Number four, why it's so dangerous is we begin to think that God is not (sighs) fair. Why does that person get to be on the platform and I don't? Why is their marriage so awesome and mine sucks? Why are their kids so perfect and mine are so hard to deal with? Um, the question you should be asking yourself is, who are you asking why to? Who? Yeah. That would be God. Come on. That's God you're questioning. Mm-hmm. And listen, God can handle your questions. His, he's not so sensitive that he can't handle your questions. Mm-hmm. But recognize who you're questioning. Yeah.
2: yeah. That's
1: like your kids coming to you. and if, For those of you who have kids, they're the questioning you thing, and you're yeah. like, how dare you, right? <laughs> <laughs> listen, I don't care if you have all the logic in the world. How dare you, right? So, like, that's what we're doing. We're questioning God.
0: Yeah. Uh, you're wow. calling
1: into question His fairness, when, in all fairness, we have not earned His mercy or grace. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah.
1: Yet He gives it to us. Yeah. It's good. So one of the things that we do is we have this acronym um, called KICK. We kick comparison to the curb, and mm-hmm. you can write these down for taking notes. So for K, it's know who, and whose you are. Pride fueled jealousy and selfish ambition leave the soul empty and tired. But the promises of God, when you believe them, they immediately produce energy and hope. It's good.
0: K is what? I'm sorry. K is know who and whose you are. Yeah. N- know who and whose? Yes. Mm-hmm. So identity, who you are and who's who you are.
2: Dr.
1: Seuss yes. <laughs> <professor's> <laughs> know who, who and who's Who who. Sneez so it, uh, we see this in the Word in Psalm one thirty nine six through seventeen and Ephesians one four through six. I'm not going to read those out, but you can you can write them down. So that was Psalms one thirty nine, sixteen through seventeen, and Ephesians one four through six. That's where you find who you are, who you are, and whose you are. Mm. There's plenty of other scriptures in the Bible that tell you that, but those are some two of them you can you can look at and dig into and believe His Word on. I is identity. Identify whose voice you are listening to. Who, what's the identity of the voice you're listening to?
2: Yeah.
1: There are three voices you can hear from on any given day. The first is Satan's voice. We see this in Revelations 12.10. You can hear your own voice. We see this in Jeremiah 17.9. And you can hear God's voice. Mm. We see that in John 114 When listen when your voice or the enemy's lies are loudest in your head that often correlates to a season uh, like for me example like to give an example when my voice my own consciousness and um the enemy's lies are loudest in my life, it often correlates to a season in my life where my relationship with God is not as strong as it should be.
3: Yeah,
1: it's um, good. It, I kind of liken it to uh, a friendship with on earth. If I'm not talking to a person every day, guess who's not speaking into my life every day? Yeah. yeah. That person I'm not talking to. So in order to have a relationship where somebody can talk into my life every day, I have to talk to them yeah. every day. Oh, yeah. It's good. And
0: you're being too much.
1: And I'm being too much. I probably I probably pushed him away with my too muchness. So, you know, it's probably my fault. You know, whatever. They're just better than me. Uh, but, but honestly, if your voice is too loud in your head, the, the, or the enemy's lies are too loud in your head, and you're having a hard time, or you feel like you're not hearing from God, strengthen your relationship with the Lord. It's good. good. I know that seems really basic, yeah. building block stuff. But I'm telling you, if you strengthen your relationship with the Lord, you're going to hear his voice. Yeah. And if God's voice is loudest in your life,
0: comparison won't be yeah. right. Yeah,
3: that's good. I think it's just like when you talk to a friend like as you like talk on the phone the more often that you talk with that person, it becomes, like, second nature. You get in there, your car to drive in a five-minute drive down the block, and because you've been calling that person... You call them again. Every time you get in the car, you're like, I got in the car, I have nothing to say, but I called you. Right? Yeah. And I think when I'm walking with God often, it's so easy to accidentally call him. Right. Oh,
2: yeah. But totally. when
3: I'm, like, real busy, right. on of touch, ooh, the kids got baseball, ooh, the kid's got... I got this. Right. Ooh. Come on. Well, I'm tired now, so...
1: Right. And then I'm that's not going.
3: What's
1: that's interesting too is we often think of it as expended energy that I don't have the energy to do that, or I'm just, I'll start again tomorrow when I could be better at it.
2: Mm.
1: We believe that we have to produce this sort of energy to come to God when in reality our energy comes from yeah. the Lord. Yeah. And you are refreshed when you walk away from that. That's, it, oh, yeah. that's a lie from the enemy telling you you don't have the energy, you don't have the time, you don't have the capacity, you can't do it well enough. Listen, if all you have is five minutes, Take those five minutes. Yeah. You'll walk away so much more refreshed. And and it's kinda like, listen, I never believe exercise people when they're like, you'll eventually like it. And I'm like, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> listen. Liars. <laughs> I don't I don't love it, but I do recognize that I like the results that it produces in my life. Mm-hmm. And I know that I feel better when I exercise more often. So while I don't love it, it becomes routine and habit to go to the gym. And then once I'm there and I've got Hamilton soundtrack in my ears, I'm like <laughs> cooking, you know. And I didn't want to be there. I didn't want to go. I, I, like I drug myself to the gym, but then I walked away thinking, man, I'm so glad I did that. Yeah. I have much more energy. My yeah, body feels more in line. So it's kind of like that. If you, if you feel like you have something that's stopping you from going to, to God, I'll tell you what, that's not God stopping you. Yeah, yeah. Come on. Mm-hmm. And why, why is there a roadblock? What do you think is causing that stop? It's probably the enemy not wanting you to commune with the Lord. Yeah. So don't be afraid to just dive in where you're at. Yeah. Just do it. Do something. Little's better than nothing, you know. And that starts to build. Uh, number or excuse me, letter C is contentment. The opposite of covetedness is contentment. Yeah. To be content means that even when things are not perfect, I am content because I am experiencing experiencing Jesus. As the satisfaction of my soul's thirst and my heart's hunger. Mm. I truly believe he will meet every need and satisfy every longing. That's contentment. But can I let you in on a little secret? You have to learn to be content. Come on. Contentment is not a natural reaction. Yeah. First Timothy 6.12 says, I have learned that in whatever situation I am to be content. So even... Apostles, even the the, the authors in the Bible Mm -hmm. had to learn to be content. So, how much more so do we have to learn to be content? Yeah, come on. When we are content in Christ, we are less prone to compare. Yeah. And I get that you haven't arrived yet. I haven't arrived yet. Nope. You haven't arrived yet. Your baby hasn't arrived yet. Long way way (laughs) to go. (laughs) Um, But you can be content where you're at right now. And you can be thankful for what God has given you. And who God has designed you to be. Yeah, that's good. So how do you learn to be content? Um, quit asking what's wrong with you.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And start focusing on what's right with you. Because I guarantee you are not 100% wrong. Yeah.
2: yeah. Right?
1: God created you. He didn't create you 100% faulty. That's okay. good. Yes, we all have faults. Yes, we're human. Yes, there's things that we're walking through. But there's good. Because you have God in you, yeah. there's goodness in you. Yeah. Theodore Roosevelt also said, do what you can with what you have where you are. 1 Timothy 6.6 6 says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. So true wealth is found in godliness and contentment. It's not possessions, not new cars, mm-hmm. not new homes. Not, um, that's not true wealth. That's yeah. physical wealth. Mm-hmm. And that's great. Listen, if, if God bless you financially, that's great. Um, I believe that, that God has a path for you. I'm not going to compare myself in any of that. But what we're talking about is like true wealth. Um, It consists of godliness and produces a contented heart. A richness of the soul and spirit in itself is gain.
3: Um,
1: So, and I know this section is a little bit long, but uh, people who are often looking for something to fill their lives physically, it's because they're empty in that spiritual Mm -hmm. aspect Mm -hmm. of contentedness. Mm -hmm. You don't walk around desiring all these things if you have a a spirit of contentedness. And I'm not saying you can't, like, like something and be like, I really would like to have that as a gift. (laughs) That's fine. Desire good things in your life. That's fine. But don't walk around so discontent because you don't have it in your life that you're not contented. Because here's what happens. You get it, and it's great for, like, 2.5 seconds.
2: Yeah.
1: And then you're over it. Yeah. Like, the anticipation of getting it is more than the thing, mm-hmm. oftentimes. I'm like, "Oh, we're getting, a, like, an air fryer. We don't have one, but, like, if we did, you know? That would be cool. That would be cool, right? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, and then you get it, and you're like, you cook one meal, and you're like, ah, and the pantry, and you never see I'm it not again, keeping right it on now. the
0: counter because it's ugly. So right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. right,
1: or whatever, you know, insert XYZ thing. Um, because we think that if we could be happy if we get this this item, or this relationship, or this person, this or job. this position, yeah. this job, this influence, whatever, if we won the lottery, that we'll be happy. But that's not where true happiness comes yeah. from. That's like fading happiness. That's just a, it's fleeting is what it is. Uh, so this passage teaches us that the things that we can acquire as our, in our own right, um,
2: <laughs>
1: listen, the Bible, <laughs> um, they don't make us happy. A godliness which is being like God in action is what we can that's where we can get contentment so NK really quick is keep your eyes on God. Keep your eyes on God Purpose to be so caught up in God and his word and his will and his work that you don't have time to compare yourself to everyone else. Yeah. Quit looking at the person next to you and fix your eyes on Jesus
0: That's so good. Okay, so that's the end of that first section, Weapons Against Identity. What we're going to do, and I love to do this in... Man, I meant to bring a speaker. My pregnancy branded today, y'all? I'm telling you. I love to do this in freedom classes because I think that um, as much as we can talk about stuff that God's shown us and that we've been praying about all week um, and for months now, the Holy Spirit does so much more than that. Right. So... Our, so what we learned in section one is that our independent sense of enoughness must have nothing to do with who we are or who we ought to be or who we think we are. It has to have everything to do with who God is.
2: Yeah. So
0: once we recognize these things in ourselves, the Holy Spirit's the only one that can reconcile these things in our lives. Okay. Um, so we're going to take some time. I'm going to play music, I guess, on my phone. Yeah. Because okay. I hear. didn't bring a speaker. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. What <laughs> do you think louder? Your big phone. I think, I think this one's probably louder. Okay. I'll play music here. I don't is what you put on the table. Are those anything? Or is that not ours? That's ours. Okay. But cool. you, you is that this.
2: It.
1: No.
0: Okay. Cool. Never mind. Ignore that. <laughs> um, we're gonna ask some questions, and then just while we play music, just you Holy Spirit, journal phone, answer those questions for yourself. Some of these are super deep. We're not gonna ask you to tell us what they are. <laughs> right. This is for you and God, and just to have a moment to sort of reflect on all of the different things that we talked about so get cozy shift around a second i'm gonna go find music really fast i've been
1: comparing my shoes to
2: Courtney's shoes this whole time
1: these were a valentine's day gift so i went They're to this listen cool. i don't i don't like i i have a really hard time like spending money on me except for when i accidentally go to target and i'm like oh clearance section so many things but uh normally like if it's shoes or something which you wear very regularly and it's a pretty decent investment right <laughs> I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to like win you anything here, but like shoes are a decent investment, especially if you wear them frequently, right? And so, but I have a hard time spending money myself. And so I was like, Justin, I really want a pair of Vans. So I go up to the store and I found a pair that was on clearance, but they were like a smidge too small. So I was just like shoving my foot in them. I was like, it's cool, they'll stretch, they'll stretch. And I really wanted the white ones, but they were $15 more expensive. And I was like, no, it's fine. I'll just cram my feet into the black ones. It's cool. And, like, a couple days later, it was Valentine's Day, and Justin came home late for work, and I was like, oh, that's weird, what were you doing? And he's like, I got you a present! And he Aww. bought them for me, which, I mean, we share money, so it wasn't really, like, he bought them for me, yeah, but, it was so nice. but it was so really nice that he yeah. went on his, because like... you never would have I wouldn't have done it for myself, that's exactly right. But
3: you would have wished you had.
1: <laughs> that's right, so, yeah. Yeah, those are cool. All right, so let's take a second here.
0: I'm just going to listen to some new song worship. Um... Okay, first question is this: What lies are you believing right now? <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, you should you should listen to some time. We're pretty good. Um, no, what lies are you believing? And another good way to phrase this question is, Lord, what lies am I believing? Maybe you're like, I'm not believing any lies right now.
4: Everybody Before they even begin, every story turns. to check on
0: question i'm gonna read the next one um question number two is in this season of life what lens are you seeing yourself through and that's another question that you can rephrase to god what lens do i what lens do i have
4: what how am i
0: seeing myself right now I still see a few people writing. That's okay. But I'm just going to ask the next question. Um, number three. What lines of thinking are you following that have you believing that you're not enough or that you are enough without God? So this may also be said, like, where in your life do you think this idea of enoughness is, is coming up the most? Where do you see that prevalent? Are there any unhealthy comparisons that you can recognize in your life right now? And if they are, if there are, write them down. Are there any unhealthy comparisons that you can recognize in your life right now? Final question is this, have you ever thought that God has not been fair to you? Take a second, recognize you have, repent, and ask God to show you his heart in that situation. I'll just say one more time, have you ever thought that God has not been fair to you?
1: All right, we'll give you that one more minute. If the Lord's really speaking to you, then this is probably something you can revisit in your next quiet time. All right, we're going to jump into section two. And this one's called Identity in Truth. Uh, so now that we've identified a lot of what the world says is enough and what the kingdom says is enough, let's talk about where we go from here. What, you know, what's the next step? Uh, the truth is that the enough mindset is so prevalent in the world that we're actually called to be counterculture. Mm. Um, so we do this by rooting in truth. We, we, we go counterculture by seeking the truth so what does getting rooted look like it means getting in the word getting with god getting in community and it means getting free we want we want you free from the bondage of striving for or feeling like you're always missing the mark to be enough so the first ingredient required for and this is our cooking class um the first ingredient required for freedom is is truth. We need God's truth. Mm. What do you cook truth at? Truth is like a four fifty, you know, oh, wow. right? It's hot. wow, quick.
2: I mean, it's like fire, right? Yeah. Truth
1: is like fire. It's That's probably a five. Good. It's probably a broil at like 500. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's like a real crispy yeah, truth, like you know. So, okay. <laughs> and so, uh, five minutes. Truth. Hashtag crispy truth.
2: Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh,
1: <laughs> Whatever, like, that's the fire of the Holy Spirit was, that's the temperature you cook it at. Um, so, But anyways, what I'm saying is it's not, it's not truth in a sense of, like, my truth or your truth mm. or the world's truth. It's the truth mm-hmm. because God's word is the yeah. truth that we should be measuring everything by. Yeah. Uh, we, uh, we know that the way of the kingdom and the world looks different and oftentimes opposite of each other. So let's look at this passage from Paul in 2 Corinthians 12, 9. It says, each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ can work through me. Paul's talking about boasting about being weak. (laughs) Nothing is more counterculture than that. You don't often see people walking around like, look, I'm so weak. You know? (laughs) That's just not how our culture works. Yeah. But we see Paul doing that. Uh, Boasting about being weak is not about sharing your problems on Instagram (laughs) (laughs) or to every person that you meet or uh, ruminating over and over and over again. That's not what we're talking about in boasting and being weak. Uh, the, what we're talking about is boasting about your weakness and your strength in God. Yeah. Mm. So boasting is about being weak, meaning we're boasting about God's strength. I wanted to touch on this. It was kind of a side note that I added into here was about um, when we're talking about weakness and sharing our weakness, there are times that we do need to share that with other people mm-hmm. um, in appropriate ways. So I like to call this appropriate vulnerability. So what does that look like? um when you're still dealing with something, when you're still walking through it, appropriate vulnerability is sharing with discernment yeah, yeah. and only with those who are mature enough to handle it yeah. mm-hmm. if no, if they cannot help you yeah. they don't need to know mm-hmm.
2: yeah okay mm-hmm.
1: when God has healed you, then you can begin to share your testimony
2: yeah.
1: with others that's the difference yeah. you don't walk up still going through something and st- because that's the difference between sharing a testimony in God's glory and spewing. Yeah, well. Right? Yeah, that's good. Sometimes you will think that vulnerability is just telling everyone your problems. That's not the case. Because yeah. it doesn't promote healing at all.
2: Yeah.
1: And oftentimes it's more dangerous. So we'll talk a little bit more about appropriate vulnerability in a second, but Yeah, for
0: sure. Keep so in mind, yeah, boasting about being weak is really boasting about God being strong.
1: Yeah.
0: It is a fundamental recognition that we are not able without Christ and with him we amount to something that can bring him glory but only with him right and this idea is rooted and that's that word rooted again in God's sufficiency not in our own sufficiency but in his and remember that definition we said of enough earlier Uh, this is a revisit of that kingdom definition but from God's word specifically side note for me as well In the same way that God's strength comes from God's sufficiency, it's important to note that love for yourself also comes from the love that God has for you. Often we hear that we must choose love for ourselves, and we assume that that means by ourselves. Mm -hmm. And it's true. We do have to decide to choose to love who we are, but we're not meant to fully realize that by ourselves. God the Creator has sufficient love for us and love for ourselves that we cannot achieve without him. It's not possible. And if you're struggling with identity in the area of really loving who you are and who God made you to be, seek his sufficiency there and not your own. Okay, side note over. Um, (laughs) It was for freedom that Christ set us free. So we have to come to terms with our insufficiency. Okay, we have to come to terms with our own sense of being insufficient without God and step into his more than enough grace. That is so hard to do in our culture. Right. It's counter-culture to say, I'm insufficient, and I know that. I'm not not enough. I'm not all that. I'm insufficient without right. Christ.
4: Right.
0: Rid yourself of the idea that enough is an action that mm. you can attain. That's yeah. You can do something to get there, right? That is not true. That's if you constantly strive, you will never achieve enough. It will always be something else. It's a cycle, yeah. not soil. Yeah not something that you can plant in, right? And identity that flows from that cycle is actually toxic. It's not freeing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Now, this addresses the trap of how the you-are-enough identity can rob your pursuits of the good that Christ has set before you. Here's the hard stuff. You are not perfect. They are not perfect. No one but Jesus is. And you rob yourself of truly enjoying yourself and those you've been blessed with when you can only focus on the fantasy version of who you are or who they are Mm -hmm. or who you should be. Um, so stop idolizing your, your relationships and yourself and be free from that trap by the power of Christ. Um, and when we do this, we have to take these lenses off of how we see the world. I mean, the reason I'm saying worldly and godly definition is because we all grew up in the world. We can see the enough stuff. We can see the be sufficient on your own stuff really easily, right? This is an area where we have to put on kingdom lenses. So what is the kingdom? A lot of people think the kingdom is like heaven. Like when I get to heaven... I will be in the kingdom. No, heaven's already a kingdom. The kingdom is for earth. The kingdom is right here and right now. Um, We can actually ask God to help us see that. Lord, help me see the kingdom in this. Help me see with your kingdom eyes, Father, how to to know that I'm insufficient without your grace. So now we know that freedom is available. It's available from the pressure, from the cycle, from the self-deprecating achievement of enoughness that is simply not possible on our own. It's just not. But freedom is not strictly immediate. Um, Here's a good definition of freedom to walk by. This is actually Jackson's definition, so copyright Jackson Wilson. Mm -hmm. But write this down. Freedom is right now and not yet. Ooh. Ooh. (laughs) Much like forgiveness. Did anyone hear Pastor Josh talk about this? Forgiveness a couple weeks weeks ago. ago. Two weeks ago. Man, they blend together. They do. Um, (laughs) He talks about the process of forgiveness being one that we must circulate through over and over and over again. And why is that? Well, besides the obvious, we're all humans. Um, it's because we're constantly growing and we're, we're constantly learning. Look back up at that Corinthians verse. God's grace is sufficient for us here and then tomorrow when we struggle again and then the next day when that thought comes up and then the next day when that thought comes up, we thought we were done with.
2: That's good.
0: And to bring that full circle, even in the kingdom, enough in the kingdom is claiming an identity rooted in the truth that as a Christ follower, I am still growing, and I am already complete.
2: That's
0: good. Um, I'm still figuring it out, but Christ loves me anyway. Mm -hmm. I may make mistakes, but God is for me, and I repent. I have a lot of work and a lot to work out still, but he is sufficient and will show it for me again and again and again. There are many cool opportunities that are before me, but it's not my strength that they came my way. It's because of his faithfulness. I may have a lot of good happening right now, but I still need him every single second. I am still growing every day, and his sacrifice made me more complete so that I can walk out this life in his goodness. Mm-hmm. I'm good. free right now and not yet.
2: Yeah.
0: You are more than your circumstances. So here's the catch. Stop identifying with failures and stop identifying with victories. Yeah. Yeah. Stop identifying with anything that is not yeah. Christ. Because okay. your identity is only found in him. It's rooted in yeah. his truth.
1: Yeah. And, you know, you talked. About, you started to talk about this a little bit a second, a second ago with loving yourself. Um, mm. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 13 that no matter what our gifts or talents are, our overall calling is to love one another. Mm,
2: mm-hmm.
1: But in order to do that, you must first love God and then yourself. Yeah. You cannot love from an empty cup.
2: Yeah. That's
1: good. You must love out of your overflow. Love that is not expressed out of an overflow of God's love for you is actually just selfish desire. Dang, It's not true love. You might say, well, I love my kids, or I love my spouse, or I love my family, and that's true, but if you're not loving them from an overflow of what comes from the Lord, then what your love is really doing, what, what you're really talking about is, um, is a desire to not lose what you have. Dang. I don't on. want to lose my kids, I don't want to lose my spouse, I don't want to lose my family. Come on. It's about what that would do to us mm. and not the overflow, of the love that God has for us that flows out to people. Yeah,
3: that's good.
1: These people, these things in your life, um, they can become sources of fulfillment to you. Yeah And the people in our lives either become expendable
3: mm.
1: or a crutch for fulfillment. The Bible says that all good things come from him. And if you agree that love is a good thing, then you must agree that God is love, and therefore your genuine love must come from Him. To fully accept His love for you, and to love yourself as God loves you, allows you the opportunity to love those around you with a pure godly love, and it allows you to live out your ultimate calling, which is to love one another. Mm -hmm. It's good. We're going to do... A couple more questions? Yeah. We'll do these a little bit quicker. Um, we have about 15 minutes, and we want to do some prayer time at the end. So we're going to do a couple of questions. Uh, again, she's going to play some, some music. If you can't fully get through these, just write them down, okay. and then kind of revisit, okay? Uh, the first question is, what is the truth of my identity? What is the truth of my identity? How quickly- What is the truth of my identity? Alright, the next question is, what has been preventing me from choosing the freedom you have for me? What has been preventing me from choosing the freedom you have for me? This can be things like a past hurt, a feeling that you don't deserve it, maybe a past sin. What has been preventing me from choosing the freedom you have for me? The next question is, do I have people in my life that I can be appropriately vulnerable with? Do I have people in my life that I can be appropriately vulnerable with? If the answer is yes, who are they? Identify those people. And if the answer is no, ask God, what steps do I need to take in my life to identify or find these people? And the last question is, do my closest relationships reflect who you want me to be? Do my closest relationships reflect who you want me to be? And more importantly, Lord, are you my closest friend? Why or why not? Okay, I have four last points for you real quick. We'll go over them and then we're gonna go into a a two-part prayer time, okay? One will be a repentant prayer and the other one will be just us praying as a group of people that just went through this together, okay? So uh, we wanna leave you with four really practical things that you can do after this class that you can do in your everyday. And some of them are gonna feel really fundamental, but I'm telling you, don't forget the basics yeah mm-hmm. you need the foundation you need the basics i mean we uh, pastor sarah talks about this all the time uh was it was it michael jordan's basketball camp yeah that it's called back to basics and these kids they send them right back to the basic school basics <laughs> basics basics okay so number one is evaluate your connection with god i'm not saying get legalistic with it i'm not asking you to criticize yourself. In some sort of like pursuit of if I was holier, I could do this more or I would get up earlier or I would spend more time or more hours or whatever. I'm not asking you to get legalistic with it. I'm asking you to evaluate your genuine connection with God Mm -hmm. and be honest with yourself about what that looks like. Mm -hmm. Um, Is it about your real personal relationship with your father? Or is it about what you're doing for the kingdom or what you're not doing for the Mm -hmm. kingdom? Kind of look at it as how much do you know about God versus how much do you know him? How well do you know him? Yeah. And what steps can you take to make that more personal and more intimate? To make him your closest friend. To make him the loudest voice in your life. Evaluate it. Listen, we've all been through seasons in our life where we've been distant from God.
2: Yeah.
1: That's not new. That's that's the whole Bible, right? (laughs) Distance and coming together. Distance and coming together. Um, I'm not asking you to criticize yourself, but I am asking you to be honest with yourself. Because if you can't be honest with yourself, you're never going to get anywhere, right? Mm -hmm. Number two is find the lies of the enemy in your life. Look for the ways that the enemy is coming after you. These negative thoughts, these cycles of behavior, these things that tend to come up over and over again. The enemy is not creative. He's going to find what works and use it again and again and again. If you see those trends, identify them. Because the easier they are to identify, the easier they are to come to God, lay them at the cross. Again, it's, it's, it's now and not yet. Yeah. It's going to happen again and again. Just because you went to this class, you're not going to walk out of here and be perfectly free. Right. And on the, uh, you know, no, sorry. Was that <laughs> an advertisement? Did we put a little asterisk? Guaranteed, <laughs> guaranteed freedom. freedom. Okay. Um, you're going to have tools in your belt for freedom. Yeah. But you're going to have to continue to choose to use those tools. That's so good. Um, number three is fill your vocabulary with what God says about you. Mm-hmm. Promises and thoughts are throughout the Bible, and you can um, buy promise scripture yeah. books. You can buy books that are just the promises. That God has for you. Uh, This is easily accessible to you. You can Google it. It's not something that's so hard to find. The difference of having it available to you and you having it available to yourself Mm -hmm. is a matter of filling your mouth, your heart, and your brain with those words and promises. Commit to knowing scripture. Mm
2: -hmm. Commit
1: to knowing God's heart for you and speak life over yourself and others. Mm -hmm. Speak it. The more often you say it, the more often it's going to come out you know it's kind of like what you're saying you accidentally call someone you accidentally speak life over yourself yes purpose to speak life over yourself until it's so prevalent you do it by accident right um and then the last one this is really simple but i think that we really overlook this is encourage at least one other person once a day Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um that's your overflow
2: yeah be
1: purposefully encouraging to others uh we want to do you know, the, the Bible says that if you see something that is good or honorable or Christ-like, that we're to call it out and to, to yeah. mention it. Yeah. Um, so be encouraging of others. It not only offers you as a person a boost of oxytocin, which is a, 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 a happy hormone, um, but it also helps you change the negative narrative in your mind. Yeah. That's good. If that you, so good. If you huh. find yourself coveting something that somebody else has, it's because you've noticed something about them. Yeah. yeah. Positive in your mind encourage them in that yeah. rewire your brain to think those encouraging thoughts about someone instead of the negative covetousness thoughts it's going to take some time because you're probably like that's a great place to start if you're coveting after something and you notice it make it a point to encourage that person in what they're doing
2: mm-hmm.
1: that you noticed yeah. because noticing is not the problem right yeah. but flip the switch Flip it, yeah, that's good. Take that, take that thought and, and switch it, and, and don't allow the enemy to walk away with that, that negative covetedness thought process and choose God thoughts. Um, and instead of stewards, stewarding jealousy, steward, steward encouragement, okay? That's good. Um, and then just commit to, to and practice rooting yourself in the truth for your identity. Denying the world of the pressures that say you need to be this or you need to be that,
2: right.
1: and this need to be enough. And just commit to rooting yourself in what God says. That's so good. Um, and then the the one thing that we, we've we done this in a class before, and it's really powerful, what I'd like to do, and it's so funny. I was telling her this. Every time we go to do a class, I, I promise you Pastor Josh will preach on it like two or three weeks beforehand. I know. And we're like... Thank yeah. you. Were you looking at my notes? You know, but I think <laughs> I like, had to rewrite this. <laughs> it's the themes that God wants to yeah. impress on yeah. his people in his church. It just goes to show that we're hearing from the Holy Spirit. And I'm not saying that to be like so boastful, but yeah, yeah. and that, that Pastor Josh is too. Yeah, if right. there's themes, it's because the Holy Spirit yeah. is wanting yes. to move in his body, right? So, mm-hmm. one of the things that we want to do is a repentance prayer. Um, If this is something you've struggled with, we're going to all like close our eyes. Just like I can't dim the lights, there's no dimmers in here, so... eh. I yeah, Whoa, Whoa, super dim. You're
2: right.
1: (laughs) Flip the switch. So what we're going to do is we're going to close our eyes, um, and then what I'm going to ask you to do is, if this is something that you've struggled with, um, as I'm I'm listing these things off and and we're praying about it, I'm going to ask you to take one extra step and actually stand up and pray a prayer of repentance with me. I'll pray out loud but I want you to pray over your specific situation. It doesn't have to be loud. It can be, you know, just whispering to yourself, whatever. But I want you to make the commitment to standing up and saying, yes, this is something I've struggled with. Yes, Lord, I want to repent of this. And then after we're done with that, Haley's going to lead us in a prayer, and then Mm -hmm. we'll be done, okay? Okay. Well, <laughs> we're all going to have our eyes closed. <laughs> I feel like everyone's like,
3: so all right. I, like, I'm going to go ahead and just stand now. I won't stand know. We'll say, we'll say this. We'll say this.
1: I'll <laughs> say this. Everyone's eyes will be closed, so if you don't stand up, I won't know. Nope. I won't judge you. No. Nope. Um, so everyone else is going to commit to having their eyes closed, too. Yep. Uh, so do. I don't think that the act of standing up is going to um, offer... It's not going to solidify the repentance. It's your heart. Mm. But sometimes we need to take that extra step to convince ourselves that this is what we're actually doing. So um, everyone can go ahead and close their eyes. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your glory, for your holiness, for your sufficiency, Lord. We wanna come to you in complete repentance, Lord. Repentance for finding our identity in anything else than what you say it is, Lord. I repent for uh, having pride, for believing or knowing that my life is better than what you have planned for me. Lord, I, I, I repent for believing that I am superior or inferior to anyone, uh, any of my brothers and sisters, your sons and daughters, Lord. I, I repent that I have looked at your creation and gauged myself and judged them against what you say I am. But I, I, I repent for believing that I am the source of my own sufficiency.
3: Yeah.
1: I rep- yeah. repent for the pride that I am sufficient enough. But I, rep- I repent for striving mm-hmm. for things like acceptance or possessions or refusing rest. Yeah. Lord, your word says rest is commanded. Mm-hmm. I repent for, for forsaking rest. Lord, I repent for. Lord, I repent for seeking anything other than Your holiness. Yeah. I repent for coveting what somebody else has. I repent for believing myself insufficient in You, mm-hmm. that You were not enough for me. Lord, I repent for forsaking our relationship.
2: Yeah.
1: Lord, I repent for not putting You first. I repent for getting my life out of order.
2: Mm.
1: I repent for not rooting. I, re- I repent for finding soil that is not good. Yeah.
2: Mm.
1: Lord, I, we repent. We come to you in repentance, not condemnation. Mm. Yeah. We want to repent because we believe that when we repent and we come to you, that our sins are washed clean, that we step into a newness that you have for us, that we step into the holiness that you have for us through you, not through ourselves. Mm-hmm. We're committing to repenting because we want heart change. Yeah. Yeah. We don't want to just think that this sounded good and walk through this class, and we heard a lot of great one-liners, and we took some great notes for We want to have a heart of repentance. We're on our knees. Mm-hmm repenting lord because you are good we're so thankful that we get to come to you for forgiveness and that we receive it lord we receive the gift of forgiveness today we're going to walk out of here and know that it is now and not yet because we are in you we walk with you through this we rebuke the enemy that he would come against us and condemn yeah. We rebuke the enemy that he would uh, try to twist what was said here, and change what you had to say. Lord, your holy spirit, your holy spirit had something to be said here. Yeah. We command the enemy to leave. He has no place and no right in the movement that you are that you are uh, creating. Yeah. We're so thankful that we get to come to you and receive that forgiveness.
2: Yeah.
1: Well, right now we just.
0: Um, as we receive your forgiveness and we receive your heart, mm-hmm. we just want to say thank you. Thank you, Father, that you are God who wants us to approach you, that we can come yeah. boldly before your throne, mm-hmm. we can lay everything down, and we mm-hmm. can know that you picked it up, that you are here for us. You were, You sent your son down the cross for us, and you are walking with us through every situation and every circumstance yeah. that we find mm-hmm. ourselves in, right here, right now, in 2025. God. You yeah. are with yeah. us. Yeah. Thank you, Lord, for your pursuit of our heart. We are so undeserving of your mercy and your grace, Father God, that you give it. Yeah. Anyway, Father, right now we just want to thank you for the things that are in our lives. Thank you, Lord, for our marriages, for our kids, for our homes, for our cars, for our jobs, for the division that you've given us. Yeah. Thank you, Father God, for all of the good things that you've put inside of our world, Lord. We do not take those things for granted. We are so unbelievably thankful. Thank you, Jesus, for new song, God. Thank you yeah. for a church, for a home, for a body, Father God. Thank you, Lord, for your church. And Holy Spirit, we just want to say thank you for your presence. Yeah. Thank you, Lord, that you dwell inside of us, and not only that, but you want to dwell inside yeah. of us, Lord. Yeah, We give you all of the praise yeah. and all of the honor and all of the glory. As we come to you for repentance, Father God, and ask for your help in changing our hearts, we also come to you with thankfulness. Yeah. Because without you, Father God, we would not be anything, Lord. We, we remember right now that we are insufficient, and you are sufficient. Yeah. And we boast in your strength. Yeah. Thank you, Lord, for this class tonight, Father God. I pray that each person in this room, whatever they heard from you, Father God, whatever you spoke to them, would you continue to speak to them. Father God, in Jesus' name, I pray that you supernaturally strengthen them as they step out of this door, that they yeah. are walking with purpose and with calling and yeah. with anointing and yeah. every single step out of this room into the next week, into the next yeah. year, Same. Father God, in Jesus' Mighty name that we see your heart and your change and your freedom in our lives. And yeah, we yes, receive God. that from you tonight. Yeah. We are so unbelievably thankful. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. 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 Amen.